Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of Sarah Has Things to Say. I cannot believe we are almost at 10 episodes, and thank you so much for listening. And if you've listened to all the episodes up until now, I really appreciate it, all your feedback. Everything has been super great. So here I am continuing on. So today's episode is going to be a little bit about one of my favorite books and then also about some of the personal experiences I have associated with this book. So probably some of you have read it, heard about it. It's very popular. It's called Attached by Amir Levine. It is a book specifically on attachment styles. So why I started this podcast specifically because I wanted to talk about all my passions around mental health. And in the last couple episodes, I've really trailed off into talking about my relationships, some little things about different relationships I've been in. And here's why. Because the relationships that we have significantly impact the quality of our lives. Most of you guys know that loneliness is sometimes almost deadlier than other like things that are bad for us, like smoking and things like that. Like people suffer more from being lonely than from any other, you know, complicated illness so it causes depression it makes our mood worse people who struggle with loneliness over long periods of time it just it makes our whole quality of life worse so why have I really started blending in a lot about relationship stuff into the podcast because I just realized how much of a significant impact it has on our mental health working in mental health for the last 12 years I have seen and spoke to so many people in very severely crisis I've spoken to so many people when they're in a very low crisis state and 99.9% of the time majority of their crisis comes from either the relationship they have with themselves the relationship they have with their parents, friends, or a significant other. So it really makes me realize just how important are who we have in our life, who we keep around us, who we allow to, you know, soak into our brains. It all makes a big difference on how we're going to feel about ourselves and others. So today's episode won't be too, too long, but it definitely gonna be short and sweet and focusing specifically on attachment styles. So why I love this book is because I was recommended to read it um, probably in my early 20s. It's been around quite a while, but for me in particular, I had just started therapy, not for the first time, but I kind of got back into it after a couple things had happened. And I'll never forget, I was talking to my therapist about dependency and being dependent and codependency and just this whole topic of being dependent on another person in a relationship. A lot of my issues came from hyper-independence. A lot of my trauma responses were developed into becoming a very hyper-independent individual. For any woman or man who knows what it's like to be hyper-independent, your reliance on other people is usually a zero. You often feel like you can't rely on other people. You often feel like, or you're used to people letting you down. So you don't even want to put a lot of emphasis into putting reliance on other people. And what you notice is that if you have to ask for help, you'd rather just do it yourself. And you know, not that that is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be self-reliant, but it makes it very difficult to connect with people in relationships. And what we know about our lives and our relationships is that in order to have healthy relationships, we have to have closeness. So in the last couple episodes, I spoke a lot about unhealthy things that happen in a relationship, as well as bringing a little bit of the fun things that have happened in my life. But specifically, it's been a lot of toxic stuff. And so why? Because I've experienced my fair share of toxic in relationships over the last like 10 plus years. So I'm bringing this book today because I'm like, I just want to talk about attachment. I just want to get right into it. I want to talk about how it changes over the lifespan, how it changes in different relationships. And I really want to focus in on the fact that knowing your attachment style, knowing which attachment styles are going to impact you or trigger you are going to significantly improve or dysfunction your relationships. So I'm going to just start off by saying, you know, I have this girlfriend, her and I talk a lot about, you know, relationships and um, our dating lives and things like that that have been going on. And we always start our conversations as like, how unattached and unbothered are we today or about the situation? Or if we're like feeling super attached, super bothered, we make a joke that like, okay, we're going into this conversation being super attached, super bothered. 
Our attachment is fundamentally based on the connection that we have with other people. Where does our attachment style come from? Predominantly our childhood. So how we relate to others, our ability to be close or not to be close to other people heavily stems from how our relationships were with our parents as as children. A lot of people hate to blame their parents or hate to blame their childhood for why they're having present day problems. But the more you learn about psychology, the more you learn about trauma, the more you learn about mental health, what you realize is that so much of who we are is developed in like the first 10 years of our lives, how we connect to other people, what happens in our childhood, things like that. It's going to definitely impact. So This book is super cool to me because it helps you understand and break down the different types of attachment styles and then um, how they play out in relationships. So there are four different attachment styles. Um, I'll let you know what they are, but they kind of interchange as well. So there's the anxious attachment style. There's the avoidant attachment style. There's the disorganized one. And then there's the secure one. So in this book, it's super cool because there's a lot of questionnaires you can do to try to figure out which one you are. If you have no idea what attachment style you are, it would be awesome to go online, do a test especially if you've just started dating, if you've never dated before, like let's say you're in your early 20s or you know you're you know in your teens, let's say. But also for anyone in their, you know, 30s, 40s who've never even been exposed or never even understood what attachment is, this book is great. Anything online trying to figure that out, it's going to help you navigate your relationships because ideally and what I've read and heard from like different TED Talks and different podcasts that talk about attachment is that 50% of the population are in a secure attachment style. And while, or maybe even a little less, like I think it was like 48, 49%, while the other total 50% are a blend of the other ones, which is anxious or avoidant. And why this is significant, because how we are in our attachment style is going to predict a lot of our behaviors and a lot of the things that we're going to get triggered by. So if you have a good sense of yourself and you have a good sense of your childhood experiences and how things were as you were being raised, you'll probably know which one you are before even doing a test. Some people flip between the two. Some people who, who definitely don't have a secure attachment style, but are not fully focused in an, in an anxious one or an avoidant one can fall back and forth. And that just might depend on who they're with, but it also just depends on their current state of mind, how things are going. Obviously, ideally, if we can all be in a secure attachment style, our relationships are going to go a lot better, but it's very, very, very seldom that you meet somebody where both of the people are in a secure attachment style. So in my experience, and I'll talk a little bit about the different attachment styles in different ways as we go on in the podcast, but if you've never heard about this book, I would highly recommend it. I'm super glad that I get to have this platform where I can talk about these things. But primarily, if you look at your life right now, where do most of your stressors come from? Like, are they coming from work? Are they coming from finances? Are they coming from your friends? Maybe that's half of the battle, but I can almost guarantee that the other half is like who you're in a relationship with, who you're not in a relationship with, who you're in a situationship with. Like all of these dynamics play a huge role in our stressors, play a huge role in our day-to-day lives. And the goal in a secure attachment style or the goal in our lives should be, however, very, very difficult. So I speak as though this is easy. It's not easy at all. The goal is to wake up every day in your own peace and in your own happiness and in your own self-content that no matter what anyone does to you in that day, it doesn't really rock you off the boat. If you're waking up every day with a sense of peace, a sense of gratitude, a sense of appreciation for who you are, a sense of love for yourself, respect for yourself, how you go about your day is going to be pretty unattached and unbothered. I love the saying unattached and unbothered because it helps me remind myself that like the more unattached I am to the outcomes of things, the better I'm going to be able to manage my mood, manage my relationships and things like that. So whenever I was finding myself uh, in the last like five, six years, whenever I found myself in a really attached and bothered state, especially in a relationship that I was in or a, a situation or whatever the case may be, I used to always tell myself, and this would help me really regain my sense of peace. It was like, if it comes, let it come. 
If it stays, let it stay. And if it goes, let it go. And you'll find your peace. And I would tell myself this over and over again because I would find myself being like, oh man, I care about, you know, if this guy calls me, I care if he texts me. I'm worried about when, how quick he is responding back or, you know, and the more I'm in my unattached, unbothered state, the less someone's responses to my messages are going to impact me. The more confident I am in communicating what I need from relationships, the more comfortable I am. So going back to like my early twenties, I was definitely a disorganized attachment styles. So I know for a fact from my upbringing, there's certain things about my attachment styles that made it very hard to be close to people. So when we're talking about an anxious attachment, we're talking specifically about people who do have like an underlying fear that maybe people will leave them or an underlying worry about their relationships. Like they're more hypercritical of what they say. They're more hypercritical about what they do. They're going to be the kind of people that if they send a message to somebody that's vulnerable, they're going to be freaking out until they get a response back. That's like one small example of an anxious attachment style, but there obviously goes into more depth. So that's one. So if you're anxiously attached and you know, have an anxious attachment style, just think about anxiety. You're overthinking things. You know, you're going to be nervous every time you see the person. You're going to be nervous when you leave. You're going to be wondering, did I say the right things? Did I do the right things? Stuff like that. When you're avoidant, you're trying to avoid discomfort of closeness at all costs. So you're going to keep relationships pretty superficial, probably have a fear of intimacy, probably have difficulties with intimacy. You know, if someone is vulnerable with you, the likelihood of you changing the subject on the person is very high. So like if a secure person or if an anxious person contacts you and is like, hey, I want to get a sense of what the dynamic of this relationship is. Like, are we, you know, is this something you see as having a future or not? The person who's avoidant is going to try to avoid that topic at all costs because they don't want to give you anything that's going to provide that security. And listen, both attachment styles and whether they're anxious, avoidant or disorganized, it all comes from the same place of insecurity. None of it is intentional to hurt people. A lot of the time it's specifically to cope with the discomfort of being close to people. So whether you're anxious or avoiding in both scenarios, you're having a difficulty being close and you're coping with it in a different way. So if I've brought up a topic to a partner who's avoidant and I'm anxious, I'm looking for reassurance from that partner. And that avoidant person is looking for space. So often with anxious people, we're trying to pull people closer to feel safe and secure. And with an avoidant person, you're trying to push people away to feel safe and secure. So the opposite, um, attachment styles really struggle in relationships with each other because their innate goal or innate need at the end of the day is different. So it's very hard to understand the other person. However, in a lot of a toxic attachments or toxic relationships, what you'll find is one person's often anxious and the other's avoidant, or you have two people that are avoidant and two people are, that are anxious. Am I saying that you can't have healthy relationships with people when you're in one of these more trouble, troublesome attachment styles? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I think that again, like I was talking in my last episode or two episodes ago, when you're putting in the effort to understand somebody and be understood, then all of these um, things can be conquered. People just have to want to try. For me in my early 20s, I definitely had a disorganized attachment style. I flopped between anxious and avoidant depending on the type of relationship and depending on the dynamic. So what I specifically found, and if you're like me, I would love to chat with you, DM me, hit me up, like let's talk about it. I was definitely somebody who had a childhood that was a bit disorganized. I talked in my first episode about the like a bit of the chaos that happened in my upbringing. And so um, for me, I definitely struggled between the two. Both times when I was feeling on one end of the spectrum or the other, it was definitely out of fear of intimacy. It was fear of being close to somebody. It was out of fear of being hurt. It really depended on how close I was with the person. So I found myself to have a lot of friendships where my friends and I didn't tell each other we loved each other a lot. We didn't hug each other a lot. Like one of my best friends, and she'll know if she's listening to this, she's more avoidant and I'm more anxious. So she would push me away and I would be pulling her close and I would always want attention from her and reassurance that our friendship was good. And she was always like, Sarah, like, leave me alone. You're too much for me, blah, blah, blah. So like 
But her and I, we definitely fed off each other because of the opposites thing. And so like what I wanted from her, she didn't want from me. What she wanted from me, I didn't want from her. But through our friendship, we actually learned a lot about ourselves. We've been friends for like over 13 years, probably almost like 20 years now. No, maybe not. Maybe like 17, but long ass time. And so her and I, like over the years, we joke a lot because sometimes she'll be nice to me and give me some affection and love. And I'm like, oh my God, you're being so good to me today. Like, thank you so much. Because she knows she's not good at like saying she loves me, all that kind of stuff. So if you can put that into context, context into relationships with um, the opposite sex or in romantic relationships, whichever situation you're in, you'll know that when you're feeling anxious and somebody's avoiding you, it's going to spiral you off the edge. You're going to be like think overthinking. You're going to be like, why is this person not talking to me? Why aren't they answering? Why aren't they doing this? And on the other hand, if you're avoidant, if someone's contacting you, you know, being like, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, can we hang out? Hey, you're going to be like, Oh my God, like leave me alone. Like stop messaging me. You're going to feel annoyed. And in both areas, it's like kind of self-sabotage, but it's also a way to, you know, try to gain some sense of security in the relationship, which often doesn't happen, especially when you're young and immature and you're not emotionally intelligent. It's really hard to find a common ground or communicate with these attachment styles when you're secure you are like the epitome of unattached and unbothered you know that people come and go in life you know that whether somebody does something or doesn't do something to you it's a lot about them it's a lot about projections you know that you are it's healthy to depend on people you know that you can rely on other people you know that if you can't rely on other people, then you get to decide. So I started this conversation today and I kind of went on a little tangent, but where I started to learn about this was in therapy and why, because I was telling the therapist that I had a problem with being dependent on other people and I didn't want to be. And so the therapist was trying to help me develop normal and healthy thought processes around depending on people. So she would give me these like examples, like what would it be like if you had to like ask somebody for money or like, what would it be like if you had to um, ask somebody to take you to the grocery store or do a favor for you? And I would say to her like, no, I will never ask anybody for anything because any time you ask for something the person will either like resent you for it or they will like throw it in your face later and obviously that has a lot to do with you know things that I had experienced or relationships that I had had or my parental dynamics and so it made it really hard for me to know like is it okay to trust people in that sense is it okay to rely on people and so what she had told me is that in healthy relationships it is normal to be dependent on other people dependency is normal it's healthy and they talk it talks about this in this book a lot and I'm gonna like it's in chapter two and um, it just talks about like dependency as not being a bad word when we think about dependency we think about codependency we think about neediness we think about somebody who's like relying on us but in communities in marriages in relationships like we have that person that we're relying on is our person like we should be able to feel safe in relying on that other person but because of hurts and because of traumas it makes it really challenging so it took me a lot of time to get to um, a place where I, you know, understood that there is something normal about dependency, but it's often toxic people who make you feel like being dependent on them is a bad thing. Should we be codependent? No, but there's a certain level of dependency that we should be able to have on the person we're in relationship with so that we feel safe. So I flipped and flopped between the two, anxious and avoided. And I, like I was saying, it's de dependent on the kind of relationship. So when I was in any kind of like non-monogamous situationship, I was the most avoidant person you could ever imagine. I would never ask somebody what we were. I would never ask the other person how they felt. I would, I was literally just going along for the ride. And that's what you'll notice about an avoidant person is that they're like, oh, whatever comes, let's just take it this way. Let's just take it slow. Let's just be casual. Let's just do this. Like that's how I was. So if ever I was dating somebody casually, like they would never hear from me. Like I would message maybe sometimes, like maybe they would contact me for, you know, intimacy or something like that. But I would never like put pressure on those kinds of relationships because my attachment 
style and those dynamics were like least amount of harm. Like if I don't put myself out there with a person I don't know very well, I can't get hurt and it will be low risk. Did those relationships ever develop into anything further than something casual? No, never. Because I never allowed myself to be vulnerable in those situations to get any deeper. So it often just ended up being sex or it just ended up being like casual dating. Like it was nothing serious. But what I found and what I talked a lot about in therapy is that when I actually did become close to somebody. And so for people like that, avoiding people, they're really good at sharing personal things about themselves with strangers and not caring about it because it's like low risk. Like if it's a stranger, I don't ever have to talk to them again if I don't want to. So if I embarrass myself or I, if I'm vulnerable and I don't like it, I can just never talk to them again, which is not healthy, super toxic for a lot of different reasons, but just one example. And then with the anxious style, what I found was that when I was closer with people and developing more intimate, more um, monogamous, like longer term type dynamics, certainly in those situations, my anxieties would come out, especially when I felt like the other person was pulling away. So what you'll notice is when you have a relationship and things are going a certain way, people are on the same energy, people are on the same wavelength, people have the same level of energy. You'll feel like you guys are on par. You'll feel like, you know, things are good. And then the moment the energy shifts, and for me, I'm super sensitive, so I would always be able to tell, that's when I would start overthinking and being like, oh, and instead of communicating what I was feeling, and saying like, oh, what's going on here? Like, did something change? I would just avoid it. So I would be anxious and and to avoid any kind of effective communication, I would just be anxious all on my own, spiral out of control and then never communicate. And again, those relationships lack depth because I was so afraid to be vulnerable. So super complicated. It's really hard to build a secure attachment style. This book is really helpful in getting to know like what kind of attachment style you are, but obviously the best thing to do to really develop and understand how how this plays out in your relationships is to go to therapy. So obviously, you know me, the therapy queen, I will recommend anyone at different times to go to therapy because I think it's so helpful. And um, as I've communicated before, like throughout my la- throughout the last 11, 12 years, I've gone to therapy for different reasons at different times for different sets of years. This past year, my main focus in therapy has been a lot of trauma related things. And I did EMDR, which I'll talk about in another episode. And it was super helpful for me. Is it the end all be all for everybody who's looking for support around trauma? No, but for me, I actually was very impressed by the work that I did. And I was like, wow, I actually came to a point. So obviously me recommending therapy at all, at all times. So what I want to talk about, and I'll I'll end off the podcast in this way, because I don't want this one to be super duper long, but knowing that I came from a place of having disorganized attachment, sometimes feeling anxious, sometimes being avoidant, sometimes being the one that harmed people with my anxious or avoidant attachment styles, sometimes being the opposite where other people were harming me. I did find, and I have been um, working on my secure attachment style for quite a while. I did find in situations where it was very toxic and maybe there was cheating or infidelity or, you know, dishonesty, my anxiety and my anxious attachment would be activated immediately. And I would then like go into spirals about like, am I good enough? What did I do wrong? Why did this happen to me? Stuff like that. So developing an attachment style that's secure really means that you're not letting that voice in your head dictate, you know, your worth, your, your value. And when people are being toxic or dishonest or disloyal or doing things that in their own regard are, are not healthy, you're able to take a step back, not personalize it and say, I get to choose who's in my life and who isn't. And if someone's disrespecting me, I don't have to keep them around. And um, that's the thing about security is that you're so solid with yourself that you're not going to allow people to take advantage of you. And I talked about that in episode uh, eight tremendously, just the fact that when you're solid with yourself, you have good boundaries, you have good respect for yourself. You're not going to allow the love that you have for somebody to overpower 
how you're being treated. So it doesn't, it no longer matters how much you love somebody. If you're not being treated well, you're not going to stick around because it's not healthy. And in the long run, you're just disrespecting yourself. I'm not saying that some relationships who have had infidelity or disloyalty or dishonesty can't work on it and become super healthy. I've seen that a lot and it's amazing where you can have something that maybe was toxic or was healthy, you know, had a toxic period then became healthy again. Like super amazing if you've been through that because it shows like what the power of forgiveness and the power of healing and talking and communicating so in this book how I'm going to end off what I want to talk about for the last little bit and I hope you guys enjoy this little bit of this podcast because I was super excited to talk about it I was gonna record this in a couple weeks from now but it impromptly I decided to do it today just because of some scheduling and I'm glad I did because I was a little worried that it wouldn't be well received but I, I think it's coming out okay <laughs> give me feedback later. Um, so I want to end off just by going through, regardless of what type of anxiety, avoidance, secure, whatever type of attachment style you may be now, or you're not really sure what you are and you're going to learn and find out. The most important thing and the most effective way to make a relationship work when you are on one of those spectrums, you are either both anxious, you're both avoidant, is communication. People underestimate how amazing and significant our ability to solve problems just by having a brief conversation or long conversations. And again, like I spoke in episode seven, it's all about the effort you want to put in. So if you're trying to make an effort with somebody, you want something to work with somebody, you're going to put the effort in to communicate and help that person understand you, help them understand you. So in this book, it talks about the five principles of effective communication. And I wanted to remind you guys of those today and then it'll be, uh, it'll be donezo. But basically we'll start with number one. So wearing your heart on your sleeve. People talk about this all the time. We're all so afraid to wear our hearts on our sleeves. Some people do it very naturally and it gets us hurt a lot. I'm one of those people where I, I do definitely wear my heart on my sleeve and it comes out in different ways. And while it's a good thing, it also has got me hurt. But being effective in our communication means that we have to be genuine and we have to be honest and we have to put our emotions out on the table. And so being brave emotionally means that you're being brave and you're being vulnerable and you're being willing to put yourself out there knowing you can get hurt, but knowing you can tolerate and take it if you do get hurt so that's number one being okay with having your heart on your sleeve a little bit especially in situations where you want to get to know somebody and you want it to work out number two with effective communication is focusing on your needs so while you do have to focus on other people's needs when you want someone to understand you you need them to understand what your needs are and you need to know what your needs are as well so getting your needs across and expressing your needs like some of the most important things would be like i need this or i want this and actually communicating that people cannot read your mind so no one will know what you want and they won't even ask especially if they're avoidant what you need if you're not expressing it so avoidant people will avoid these kind of intimate conversations at all costs that's why it's like our job to have those conversations and it's our job to try our best but obviously in situations where it's not working then you know you have to make a decision on it but especially where you're trying and both people are trying despite the attachment style these kinds of things are going to be super helpful so I need to feel confident in my relationship when xyz when you chat up the waitress I feel like I'm on thin ice or like you know saying exact examples of what makes you feel insecure what makes you feel anxious what triggers your attachment style I was having a conversation recently about this and it's like, what's going to put you into the anxious spiral? Like in my mind, for me, something that will definitely throw me into the anxious bin is lack of contact. So for me, if um, 
I'm out with my friends and I'm in a relationship. Like I want to do a check-in. Do I want to be talking to the person I'm in a relationship with the whole time I'm out with my friends? No, of course not. But do they deserve to know where I am, where I'm going? A hundred percent. Do they deserve to know what time I'm going to be back home or what? A hundred percent. That's just general respect. I mean, not everyone will probably agree with me on that. And some people might fight me on that one, but I think that contact and connection is super important. If my partner were to go out on a Friday night down on King street, ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Messages me at 9 PM and is like, Oh, going out to here. And then I don't hear from them till the next day. We already know my anxiety is going to be 10 out of 10. <laughs> so you guys can probably relate. You know what that's like. It's, it's that, those are the things And maybe for some people, if they don't hear from their partner till the next day, maybe it won't bother them. But I know for me, like that's a trigger. So thinking about what your triggers are, being able to communicate them, super helpful, super important. Number three, being specific. So exactly what I was just saying. If for me, my thing is like, I need the contact, I need the check-ins, then whoever I'm dating needs to know that. And if they are not able to do that, it's going to be a trigger. It's going to be hard. So maybe that person's not right for me. And that's how we figure out who is and isn't right for us. Not blaming. So when we're having conversations with people, taking the blame away, like, oh, you don't do this or you don't do that. You don't understand me. So really taking a step back, never making your partner feel like they're selfish because we all act selfishly sometimes we all have these kinds of issues so trying not to blame people and then number five the fifth thing in this book that it talks about that I really really love is just being assertive and non-apologetic so when we're communicating saying what we need effectively saying it clearly you know not being aggressive not being passive so I'll give you guys an example of like a passive communication style like oh I guess you don't want to see me if the person you know doesn't make plans with you that day instead of being like oh I guess you don't want to see me yeah maybe they do or don't but maybe they have valid reasons why they're not able to see you today instead of being passive in that regard being like oh I would have loved to see you today instead of being like I don't I guess you don't want to see me you could be like oh I miss you or I don't I'm I'm upset that we aren't able to see each other but I understand so knowing that you're going about it in a way that's not passive aggressive obviously we know what aggressive communication styles look like it's more attack and on guard and defensive and things like that so really thinking about like the way that we communicate with other people is going to be a significant indicator of how successful our relationships are. This book also talks a lot about fighting and why so many people are afraid to fight in relationships, but actually that when we have a safe and secure relationship with someone and when we are 10 out of 10 on our communication or even just an eight out of 10, fighting is healthy because we know that if we are gonna have a disagreement or we are gonna have some kind of discrepancy in our thoughts, we know that we have a safe place to dispute it and fighting doesn't mean a relationship needs to end. And I think a lot of people think that. And so healthy fighting, safe fighting, respectful fighting, we all are, you know, know what goes into that, but then it's really hard to play out. So using these five communication style, like using these five ways of effectively communicating can really improve our ability to talk about our attachment styles, feel safe and secure in our relationship because at the end of the day we all want to be loved we all want to be treated well and we all want to feel like we're being understood and communicated to well and effectively so i'll end off there and i hope you guys enjoyed listening if you want more info definitely check out this book it's called attached and definitely hit me up on instagram you can dm me we'll, we can talk more i can also bring these attachment styles into other episodes there's so many things that go into relationships and it's not just about our mental health it's about our attachment styles our love languages like all of these things that people have done research on to help us better and more effectively have healthy relationships and I, I mean like I was saying in the beginning like this podcast is predominantly around mental health mental health challenges mental health struggles but also the other side of it where you know maybe people who have had very significant challenges with their mental health but then they get better and then things are different and people can change and to me that makes me super happy super excited so hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll see you next time for episode 10 which is super exciting because I can't believe we even got to nine episodes thank you all so much again if you know anyone that could relate to this definitely share it and uh, comment and let me know how it was